Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone is feeling well and doing well, and not only surviving, but managing and finding a way to thrive during these uh, complicated times that we find ourselves in. We continue our weekly 10 minutes of meaning in which we have been learning together the uh, Mesila Sisharim, the Ramchal's incredible formula for how to live our best lives yet, how to perfect ourselves, how to get the most out of life and have to give the most to life. That was the way the Ramchal began. The entire book is introduced with not what are our rights and entitlements, but what are our duties and obligations, which I think is a very powerful message, particularly the times in which we find ourselves. One can look around at our neighbors and our friends, at our medical community, at the government. One can enter this situation with, the right, with an attitude of rights and entitlements. What's coming to me? What's the world doing for me? Or you can come with the mentality that we're taught to, which is not what can I take from the world, but what are my duties and responsibilities? What, how am I uniquely positioned to make a difference? What are the blessings in my life? If Baruch Hashem, if please God, my health hasn't been compromised or affected. What if I'm a person whose parnasa, whose livelihood or income has not been severely, severely compromised? How am I positioned to check in on neighbors, to shop for others, to give in this time? Not what can I take, but what can I give? Not what does the world owe me, but given the blessings in my life, what do I owe the world? That is the entire theme of the Ramchal's Mesila Sasharim. The entire theme is not what am I able to receive, but what am I responsible to give? And so the Ramchal has charted this path, this formula towards, towards actualizing our best selves, toward living our best lives, which began with Zahirus, mindfulness, consciousness, conscientiousness, Again, critically important during our time. So many of us are cooped up in our homes. We're living intensely on top of one another with our family. There's an enormous amount of pressure and stress to balance school, work, private life, home life, to find time to carve personal space. We're at the edge of our character, frustrated and easy, ready to blow. And this is the time, this is the moment, Zahiris, we have to be cautious. We have to be thoughtful with everything we say and everything that we do. We have to be roa esanolad. We have to see the implications and consequences of our thoughts, our speech, and our behavior. We have to ensure that we don't infect ourselves in ways even if we're not infected by the virus, that we don't compromise our emotional and our relationship and our spiritual health, even if, please God, we are fortunate to not have our physical health being compromised. So the first attribute, which we're always is a lifetime effort to work on, is Zahiris, is a life of cautiousness and conscientiousness, is to be mindful and present in every thought, speech, and action. The second was Zerizos, how to act with alacrity and zeal, how to go pursue our dreams and aspirations, how to take extreme ownership and live with discipline. Last night we spoke about, and it's an app you can listen online, how discipline equals freedom, that the Seder is not only for Pesach night, but rather it is a recipe and a directive for the entire year round, that if we want freedom in life, then we need to live with a sense of discipline, of Zerizos, of going and conquering that which we claim we care about. Which brings us up to Nikias, which is what we're studying currently. Nikias is the quality, the character trait of not only over, overcoming our temptation, not only defeating that which tries to bring us down, but in fact purging that voice from within ourselves. In fact, ridding ourselves of that inclination whatsoever. So we continue in the middle of chapter 11, Parakid Aleph. If you'll say in your heart, the Ramchal in this chapter about Nikias, how can we live a life of purity and innocence and integrity? How can we carry ourselves in a way that we'll be proud? The Ramchal is focused a lot on the prohibition of stealing, not putting our hands in someone else's pocket or wallet, God forbid, 
but meaning misrepresenting our goods or services, over-exaggerating, competing ruthlessly or unfairly, cutting corners and misreporting our taxes, making promises that we don't fulfill. These are all forms of stealing. Making someone a promise will be there on time and showing up late. We've stolen their time. So ask Ramchal, you'll ask yourself, how is it possible that we can manage in business without attempting to influence a buyer about the value, about the goods that we're selling? In other words, a good salesperson is able to sell snow to an Eskimo. A good salesperson is able to convince the person that they need something even if they don't. Don't we laud that? Don't we praise that? Don't we admire that? Don't we celebrate that as being the quality of a successful, of a good salesperson? So Chilak Gadol Yesh Badavar says the Ramchal, there's a major difference. I didn't thank our sponsors. Ten minutes of meaning for the entire year is sponsored by Chani Eleni Grunstein in memory of Chani's father, Aaron Ben Yitzchak, Mr. Aaron Tambor, our dear friends, the Grunsteins who are up north. We hope you're well and healthy, and we thank you for your generous sponsorship. Says the Ramchal, there's a distinction. If all you're trying to do is communicate to your potential buyer the beauty and the value and the worthiness of what you're selling them, there's nothing dishonest. That is completely honest. That's righteous. But if you're trying to dress up or overcome, if you're trying to hide the defects, that is prohibited. That's wrong. A person can't misrepresent. A person can't cut corners. And this is a fundamental rule in the workings of business ethics. In other words, as religious Jews, as Torah observant Jews, we define righteousness not only by what happens normally inside the shul, inside the base medrash, not only by religious activity, but we define righteousness by our attitude towards business. One's profession is called umnus, at the same root of the word emuna, faith, because a person has to do their business faithfully, as the Ramchal taught. God wants us to act with integrity and honesty which is the ultimate reflection that we trust Him. When we shuckle in shul and we dive in a long Shemona Esrei and we carry ourselves as pious, righteous Jews and then we're ruthlessly competitive and then we cut corners and then we misrepresent our product and then we oversell and underdeliver. When we behave in such a way, in fact, we violated what is the core thing that HaKadosh Baruch Chafetz, that the Almighty wants from us. Why is that? Because when we carry out our business dealings with honesty, we show our trust and faith that Hashem will provide what we need. And when we panic, and when we fear, and when we have doubt and concern about whether we will be able to provide for ourselves, and therefore, we're willing to compromise our very integrity, we're willing to forfeit our very humanity, we act without faith in God because we cut corners to provide for ourselves in ways that are unjust, in ways that are unethical, then it's not only that we have injured the other party in this world, but it's also that we've shown a distrust and a failure to rely on the Almighty. Lo Omar Now with regard to weights and measures, says the Ramchal, again, we don't identify so much with this, but in antiquity, there would be a scale at the marketplace, and you'd put the goods on one side of the scale and the weights on the other in order to determine the accurate weight. We have automatic scales today that we use. But the Torah is incredibly harsh, and we've spoken about this, I think, last week. The Torah uses that same word, a word that we use in another context freely, but applies as much, and we should use just as critically, to condemn those who are dishonest in business. Anyone who does this is an abomination. If you cut corners, misrepresent, oversell, 
if you present a product as functioning or having a quality different than it does, it's a toeva, it's an abomination. You are rejected by God and you should be rejected by us. That is what is a toeva. And the Gemara Baba Basra tells us the punishment for dishonest weights and measures is even more severe than the punishment for promiscuity. So we talk about the role of people who practice a certain level of lewdness, licentiousness, people who have a certain uh, proclivity. The Torah talks about abomination in that context, but the Torah also talks about an abomination. And the Ramchal says, our rabbis go further and describe as an even more severe abomination someone who's dishonest in business. You know, our Heksher, the ORB, which is our Vada Kashras here in South Florida in Palm Beach and Broward counties, we have a policy that not only do we check the ingredients of our establishments, but on a regular basis we also check the accuracy of the scales of our establishment. Because we're concerned not only with what they're selling, but we're concerned with how they're selling it. A scale which is measured to be off, a scale which is tainted, a scale which is favoring the seller, is something which is a toeva. It's an abomination. It's unethical. One has conceded and forfeited their very humanity, their righteousness, any godliness within them. When we say, A wholesaler cleans his scale every 30 days. So the scales don't lose their, ac- their inaccuracy, sorry, they don't lose their accuracy by accident, and in so doing to avoid punishment. And so our attitude towards our business dealings, and particularly in this time when many people are panicking and fearing, when there's a great loss of income, and many are concerned legitimately with how they'll pay their bills, the answer is to dig deeper in emuna and umnus, not to think about how to cut corners or outsmart the market or take advantage of the weak and vulnerable. Because ultimately the Almighty is the one who provides our parnasa. Ultimately Hashem is the one who gives it to us. And you know what the biggest skula, you know what the biggest uh, merit to be able to earn a livelihood is not to recite Pitamak Torahs from a cloth, and it's not whatever the latest school is that's being promoted wherever it's promoted, but it's to be honest, it's to have integrity, it's to live with a sense of nikias, of cleanliness and innocence, it's to be above and beyond, it's to take the righteous, straight and narrow path. Koshekein Avon Aribis, and then he gets into the prohibition of usury, of lending with interest, who is a greater force to the sin of usury, his greatest sin is denying God altogether. A rabbi said on the passage, A person who lends with interest does not merit to be resurrected in the time of the resurrection. And I don't have to elaborate, says Ramchal, because everybody knows the fear the transgression evokes horror in every Jew. Why is it we have a prohibition of lending with interest? A Jew is allowed to lend a non-Jew with interest, but you can't lend a Jew with interest. Why is that? How does that make sense? If lending with interest is unethical and immoral, then why can you lend to anybody? And if lending with interest is perfectly moral and ethical, then why can't you lend a fellow Jew? And our commentary is explained so beautifully. Lending with interest is perfectly ethical. There is a time value to money. My thousand dollars, if I allow you to have it, I can't be earning interest, I can't be getting a return on, and I lose the ability to have the cash value to be able to spend it. So there's a time value to that money. If I would have had that money in my possession, I could have used it as I wanted, I could have earned an interest, I could have gotten a return on an investment. By giving it to you, when you give back the $1,000, I've lost money. I lost the time value of that money. And so interest is not unethical at all, so why are we prohibited to lend with interest to a fellow Jew? And the answer is, there's nothing wrong with lending with interest to a neighbor, a stranger, an acquaintance. 
But if your brother or your sister, if your son or your daughter say, I can't pay the bills, do you mind? Do you have, can I borrow from you for a short time? And you turn to them and say, no problem. But you got to pay me back 5%, 10%, 15%. You're a lowlife. You're an eisvach. Who lends their own family, their flesh and blood with interest when the other person is in a difficult situation? The Torah wants to promote within us an attitude and a mentality that all the Jewish people are our blood. They are all our brothers and sisters, our sons and our daughters. And so, yes, we are all part of the family called humanity. They are distant cousins. They are friends and acquaintances. There's nothing unethical of lending with interest because there's a time value of money. But to our own flesh and blood, to our own family, to the Jewish people, that would be unethical. There are people hurting all around us, my friends, and if you are not hurting, and if you have capacity, the economic consequence of this horrific crisis we're in may certainly affect many more than the actual health crisis, though our hearts and prayers go out to those who are most affected right now. If you are blessed to not see your lifestyle changing, if you are blessed to continue to draw an income, if you are blessed to not be devastated by the economic impact, then think about others. Not in the context of how you could make money, whom you could lend with interest, but the opposite. My brother, my sister, my son, my daughter, who in my family is hurting that I can help? That says everything about us during this time. And so I end the way we began, which is that the Ramchal, Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, creates this formula for living our best lives. How we can get the most out of life, how we can give the most to life. And he begins the entire book by saying, Not what are my rights and entitlements, what does the world owe me? What can I get out of this situation? But rather, what are my duties and obligations? What are my responsibilities? Given who I am and how I'm uniquely positioned, given my skills and attributes and character traits, given my blessings and my opportunities, what do I owe the world? What difference can I make? And I promise you that if right now every one of us think in that way and identify those opportunities, not only will we make a difference in other people's lives, but we will get through this, not only surviving, but thriving, not only enduring, but being transformed, not only not falling into the pit of despair, but in fact transforming ourselves to feel the deepest meaning of what life is all about. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic day. Living with Amuna begins in 15 minutes.